أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله بأي الله تعالى فضل we've reached this Mubarak 16th night of Ramadan now we've passed a halfway point what has passed is greater than what remains. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq to know the qadr and the value of what it is that's passing through our fingers, that we can use it right now while we still have the chance before it goes away. Otherwise, every night we're standing in taraweeh and hearing the ayat of Allah ta'ala be recited in front of us that the people on the Day of Judgment will say, Oh Allah, if you had not delayed me in the world for a little bit more so that I could give sadaqah and I could be uh, from the righteous. And Allah Ta'ala, He won't delay anybody once their appointed time has come. And so this gift that we have, this is a beautiful gift. Please don't ruin it. Please don't ruin it. I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to my own nafs. The nafs which is like a dog. If you let it run loose through the palace, it could destroy even the most beautiful of buildings in a matter of minutes. Please don't ruin it. Don't ruin it for me. I can't afford this. I can't afford this. This is something if you destroy, I won't be able to get back again. Please don't ruin it for me. I plead with you. Ya Allah. Restrain, restrain my nafs before it ruins this thing for me. Ya Allah, from your fadl and your karam and your minna, allow me to get through the days of this Ramadan and the days of my life without ruining this precious gift that you gave us, that you gave me and you gave to our forefathers before me. Ya Allah, keep me on the straight path and take me back before this nafs has a chance to ruin all of it. Amin. So we continue uh, with reading the story and the life of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, the first Khalifa of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this tariqah, uh, both of the Ahl sunnah al-Jama'ah and of Islam and uh, as well in the tariqah uh, of suluk toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, he says, with regards to the Khalifa's wages, that Ibn Sa'ad narrates that Ata bin Sa'ib, uh, said after Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was appointed Khalifa, uh, he was going to the marketplace with some sheets on his arm. When Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu questioned him, uh, he said, I have been harnessed into the affairs of the Muslims. Now I'm going to go to the marketplace to obtain food for the family. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu said, let us go to Abu Ubaidah, he will arrange a wage for you. Abu Ubaidah was in charge of the Baytul Mal. Uh, the, 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 the exchequer, the treasury. Uh, both went to Abu Ubaidah. A sum which sufficed for a middle-class muhajir was fixed as the Khalifa's wage. According to some narrations, the wage was insufficient for his needs because he had a large family, hence it was later increased. Uh, so this is Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala who his reliance on Allah ta'ala. However, the sagacious recommendation of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu should not be forgotten which is that uh, a person cannot live on air 
and they cannot live on a platitude. Uh, this dunya is a test for that reason, uh, that uh, the difference between a believer and a kafir is not that the kafir is involved in asbab, in running the world of causes and effects in order to get what he wants. Rather, both believer and disbeliever, they vie with their hand into the pot of causes and effects, into the movement of this world. Uh, the difference between them is not that one participates in that world and the other one doesn't participate in this world. Rather, the difference between them is that the one who disbelieves, he puts his hand in the world of causes and effects and when he gets what he, gets what he wants, he thinks, oh, look how smart I am, how talented I, how talented I am, how cunning I am, how, how much of a genius I am, how much I should get paid as a consultant for, uh, for, for Anderson or for Deloitte or for McKinsey or for God knows one of these other uh, shaitanic companies. Um, look how smart I am. Look how much we did it. With 3M Innovation, we made the world a better place, etc., etc. Whereas the believer, he vies with his hand uh, uh, in the uh, arena of causes and effects. And then when he gets what he wants, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one he praises and says, look my Allah, what my Allah has given me. Look what my Allah ta'ala produced for me. Look what Allah ta'ala made for me. Look what a beautiful system Allah made that I could do these couple of things and look what a beautiful result and, and what a beautiful process and what a beautiful result came out of it. That's the difference between the believer and the kafir. And this is Ustadji Mulana Hassan, he says this in his bayan all the time. He says that, he says that the believer isn't the, the sorry, the dunya dar, the, the worldly and materialistic person, isn't the person who participates in business. Uh, the worldly person is the person who goes, and goes to work and participates in fit business and carries out his uh, income generating activities his activities to learn, earn his livelihood. And in that process, he forgets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In that process, he forgets Allah ta'ala. Otherwise, if you remember Allah ta'ala while you're in the marketplace trading or while you're doing your engineering or while you're treating your patients as a doctor and while you're counting your beans as an accountant and while you're serving your lattes at Starbucks and while you're racking up uh, you know, uh, the miles on, on the Uber or while you're delivering uh, uh, you know, whatever people's uh, cakes on Uber Eats or while you're doing whatever people do, whatever people do as an honest livelihood. If you're remembering Allah Ta'ala while you're doing it, then you're a, a doctor of Jannah, then you're a businessman, your shop is a shop of Jannah, then you're an Uber driver of paradise, your Uber Eats is delivering the food of paradise. Bavahir, in the out, out, outwardly, it looks like it's something from this world, but the haqiqah, Allah Ta'ala will show it that it's from Jannah. And so this is something they didn't have any compunction about. And they didn't run the quote-unquote free sabilillah model where we just run people into the ground uh, and, and destroy them because they're expected to die because that's what religious people do. Rather, those things you can do without asking for remuneration, it's always superior to do things like that. Those services you can render without remuneration, it's always superior to do that. The time that you should be paid or we should be compensated is for those, for example, those tasks that require professional level service. You cannot understand the intricacies of fiqh or of ilm al-kalam or of hadith or whatever while you're working, uh, you know, long shifts at 
Starbucks. You just can't do it. It doesn't work that way. Their technical fields, they require tawajjuh. They require some sort of concentration and some sort of uh, single-minded pursuit, at least for some time in order to master. Uh, if you're running the country, you can't be beholden to like the person you know who you're haggling with with regards to buying goats and sheep. Why? Because either you'll screw them over because of your clout that you have as the leader, or they'll screw you over because the clout they have over you because you need to earn a livelihood through them. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And so there are always going to be people who serve the deen through their volunteer time, and there are always going to be people who serve their deen through necessity as full-time and as professional people. And you know what? One of the really stupid things about us that's very different between us and the Salaf and really between us and the actual backbone of the civilization of Islam is we resent paying people's salaries. You will very rarely see a successful fundraiser or a successful uh, uh, you know, crowdfunding or a, a successful appeal when people are raising money for salaries or when people are raising money for endowments in order to sustain people. What do we pay money for? Who's going to give, you know, $100 will lay you a brick in the wall and $1,000 will lay you a a window and $10,000 will give you one musalla and, you know, $100,000 will outfit one classroom and a million dollars will put in the mihrab in your name and will put in the uh, pulpit from your name. By what are all of these things? What is a brick? What is a brick? If I take a brick and throw it at you, you'll know what a brick is. It's nothing but dead weight. Once it breaks your teeth, then you'll realize, wow, this brick is really deep. What is a brick? What is a window? The Rasul used to stand on a tree trunk and deliver his khutbahs for some time. And then the Ansar made a very simple and rudimentary mimbar for him. Both of which, if we brought into any of our masajid, people would probably balk at and gasp. Guess what? His mimbar, both the tree trunk and the, the, the simple one, rudimentary one, that was made by the Najjar, the, the carpenter of the Sahaba, عنهم, of the Ansar, they're better than the ones that you guys pay $100,000 for. And when I say you guys, I'm talking about all of us, including myself, because we walk into buildings and we're like, wow, this is so spiritual. Okay, it looks beautiful, right? Even a monkey understands when things are shiny. You know, even a monkey can say, oh, look, that smells good. That looks shiny. Ooh, look, colors. You know, like even, even, even animals understand that, what that is. Why is it though? It's a sickness inside of our heart. Why is it that we can, we can uh, do one, not the other? At any rate, this is a, uh, a sign that there's nothing wrong with taking a wage if you're doing full-time work or if the work that you're doing demands it, like rationally, logically, uh, there needs to be a, a, a wage that's paid for it. And there's an entire process. It's not like Abu Bakr Siddiq said, oh, well, you know, because I'm Khalifa, uh, let's, you know, let me set my own wage. There's checks and balances. And Abu Ubaidat ibn, ibn al-Jarrah, who was put in charge of the Baytul Mal by the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself, he was described by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam as being aminu hadhihi al-ummah as the, the trustee of this ummah. And what, what, did he, what does that mean? If you trust somebody, what does that mean? It means you trust them with the money. And they actually haggled a, and set a, a, a wage. And it actually had to be increased afterward. And that's okay. That's okay. There's nothing uh, uh, wrong with that. And they gave him a, a living wage. Not, you know, not like nowadays. I heard in some masajid in uh, 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 different parts of the world in like, in socialist countries, they literally will f- calculate the wage that a person can make and still be on welfare and still receive public housing 
وَالْعِيَاذُ بِاللَّهِ Shame on you. MashaAllah, what barakah is your deen going to have if it's being paid for by the queen? What barakah is your deen going to have if it's being paid for by the, by the Union Jack? And by the, by the, by the crosses, uh, uh, the several crosses on your flag? What barakah is there in that? That's not a way to be. That's not a way to have dignity. That's not a way of showing honor to the deen of Allah Ta'ala. In tansurullah yansurkum. Uh, if you're not going to help, if you're not going to come to the aid and assistance of the deen, uh, then how do you expect the aid and assistance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala back? And it's shameful, it's shameful. We do it in America as well. Although we don't have as robust of a, a social care net uh, uh, in terms of like public housing and welfare and, um, you know, uh, public uh, you know, education and health and things like that. But uh, we do it. We nickel and dime, cheap, cheap, cheap nickel and dime the hell out of our people who are doing work for Dean. It's not just imams and ulama. People all over the nonprofit sectors, uh, you know, the teachers in Islamic schools make less than the teachers in public schools. The teachers, uh, you know, the the, the workers in, in Muslim nonprofits, they make less than the uh, workers in uh, uh, other nonprofits. I mean, I mean, the nonprofit sector. Okay, fine. People traditionally make a little bit less than they do in. The, in, in the business world, but even accord, even compared to other nonprofits, because they know this these, this Bivakuf, this idiot, his love of the deen is going to uh, make him kill himself and burn himself out. So just have high turnover, just burn through people and whatnot. That's not the way of doing it. The, the, the problem is, in the long run, it doesn't pay. It's actually a penny-wise and pound-foolish approach to things. It doesn't pay and it doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, and uh, uh, this is not how the Aslaf, radiallahu anhum, were. If you want to be a Salafi, you know, instead of getting up on people for not saying Amin out loud or for not uh, doing, uh, you know, for not raising their hands several times in the uh, Salat, get, get, get up on people for things like this, for not paying, uh, uh, for not paying living wages to the people who work for the deen. And then when those people are short on money and then they do kind of shady and questionable type practices in order to earn a living. Uh, uh, then who do you blame? Everybody, you know, the love and the covetousness of material things in this world is the beginning of every folly, every scam, uh, every scam that, that you'll see out there that people fall for. I was 85% of them count on the person's covetousness, their avarice and their greed in order to run. If the person is not greedy enough, then scams don't work. Maybe 15% of them uh, run on people's shahawat, uh, but uh, most of it is just, it's just people's greed. Their irrational love of money makes them have iman and all sorts of fantastic and stupid things. Uh, you know, it makes them imaginary friends that even um, Richard Dawkins would have to admit uh, dwarf the silliness of, uh, of, of how he laughs at religious people. So you see, they set a, a, a wage for Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu so that he could focus on the affairs of the Muslims and that uh, he, could, uh, uh, he could be free of distraction. Tabarani, uh, Shahadar Shaykh continues, Tabarani narrates that Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu said that Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu in his last illness instructed his daughter Sayyidina Aisha Umm al-Mu'minina radiallahu ta'ala anha alayhi salam after my death, hand over to Umar the, this milk camel and dish which were given to me on account of my khilafah. That these are possessions that were entrusted to me because I was khalifa. Uh, so return them to Sayyidina Umar uh, who he had appointed to be khalifa after him uh, in the way of returning. Uh, an amana, a trust to the, to the exchequer, to the, to the chancery, to the Beitul Mal, 
um, to the to the treasury, public treasury. Thus, after his passing, these items were assigned to the custody of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu. Thereafter, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu lamented, Abu Bakr, may Allah have mercy on you. You have imposed a great difficulty on the Khulafa who will follow you. You've imposed a great difficulty on the Khulafa who will follow you. And really, he's imposed a, a great difficulty in the sense that it's a very high standard to uh, follow. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu meant that others will not be able to exercise this high degree of caution. And this is a, deg- it's a, a caution for all of us as well. Uh, for those of us who are for those of who, for those of us who are um, entrusted with positions of trust as imams, as masjid board members, as uh, trustees with money, as trustees with with keys, with items, with buildings, etc. Uh, don't don't use those things for your own sake. Don't partake in those things for your own sake. Uh, rather, err on the side of caution. Even if you're allotted something, take a little bit less than you're allotted and don't take more than what you're allotted. Teach your children also, don't, don't, don't go to the masjid so you can eat from the food of sadaqah if you're able to not do so. Be the hand that gives rather than the hand that takes. You know, don't, don't go and, and, and take things and feel entitled to stuff. And this is a sickness. Sadly, the people who need to hear this are probably not listening to Ramadan late night majlis. The people who are listening probably already know this. But it's something we need to share with people. And we need to remind ourselves from time to time as well that don't come to this deen entitled. Don't come with a sense of entitlement like I'm some, some sort of consumer that I'm coming to Walmart and I'm entitled to customer service. Rather... If you want to be from the people of Jannah, say, I'm one of the, I'm one of the employees, I'm one of the workers here, how can I help you? Uh, and, uh, you know, how can I take uh, more responsibility? How can I do the job that the boss uh, told me, despite having a, a, a lack of means or a lack of tools? How can I figure out and improvise in order to do the job as best as I can without, without complaining? knowing that uh, whatever shortfall there is in my wages this month, uh, when we meet the boss later on, uh, it's going to be more than handsomely compensated. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is passing. He was born two years and some months after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It appears from some narration that he was uh, older than the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. However, the ulama say that this latter view is not correct. When he reached the age of 63, uh, uh, the age of Rasulullah wasallam, he also passed. Regarding his last illness, there's a difference of opinion. According to Sayyidina Umar whose narration in Hakim, a spiritual grief overtook Abu Bakr after Rasulullah is passing away. This increased day by day until he passed away. And this is real, this is a real thing, that when somebody loves somebody uh, uh, and that person is gone, it's like their life leaves with them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, console this ummah on the loss of the Prophet sallallahu and the loss of all of those irreplaceable ones that Allah ta'ala has taken away. And may Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq to benefit from the few that we have left. Ameen. According to Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was given some poisoned food which he and Harith bin Kalda radiallahu anhum ate partly. Both remained ill for a year and died on the same day. Uh, Sha'bi uh, rahimahullah ta'ala said, What can one expect from this despicable world? Uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was poisoned and so was Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Sayyidatuna Aisha Ummul Mu'minina radiallahu ta'ala anha wa alayhi salam says that the seventh of uh, uh, Jamadul Ukhra, uh, 
uh, a Monday. It was an extremely cold day. Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, after taking a bath, became feverish. On account of this cold fever, uh, uh, of this cold, the fever was severe for 15 days. He was unable to attend the masjid for salat. He passed away on Tuesday, the 1st of, 21st of Jamaad al-Ukhra uh, uh, during the night. According to some narrations, he had asked Allah, uh, he had asked, sorry, asked Aisha radiallahu anha what day it was. When he was told it's Monday, uh, he said, when I die, do not delay my burial. Another narration uh, states that he had asked to be told the day on which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa passed. When he was informed uh, on Tuesday, he said, I too hope to die uh, tonight. Uh, the duration of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu khilafah was two years, three months, and nine days. Uh, and I'm not really under, and I'm not really sure about this discrepancy. Uh, I believe the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa passed away on a Monday, not on a Tuesday. I'm not really, I don't really understand what this discrepancy is. It may be a mistake or it may be an oversight or there may be something here that I don't understand. Miscellaneous anecdotes. Once when his wife expressed a desire for something sweet to eat, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu said that he had no money with which to buy anything. His wife suggested that they should save something from their daily food allowance. Within a few days, the amounts saved will be sufficient to buy something sweet. Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu consented. She began saving a small sum daily. After a few days, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu said, It is apparent that this amount, which was being saved from the daily food allowance, that we are receiving from the Beitul Mal is in excess of our needs. He then took the savings and handed it to the Beitul Mal. He further issued instructions for his wages in the future to be decreased by this amount. This is a testimony also to the righteousness of uh, his wife and the families of all of those uh, righteous people that support them. This is a great mujahada. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase their ranks and be pleased with them. Amin. Once Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu went to the orchard where he saw a bird sitting in the shade of a tree. He heaved a sigh and said, O bird, how fortunate are you? You eat the fruit of trees. You sit in their shade and you will attain the salvation in the hereafter without having to give account. I wish Abu Bakr too was like you. And this is his tawadu, this is his humility, because obviously his rank will be higher than that of the bird. But the fear of uh, giving account itself is a type of piety. And uh, when it comes to Iman, Abu Bakr who had already maxed out. Frequently he would exclaim to himself, I wish I was the property of a Muslim servant of Allah. I wish I was a tree that would be cut and eaten. I wish I was grass which the animals would eat. And this is again a sign of the kamal of his fana, of his complete annihilation in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he had no, he had no nafs uh, at all in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah ta'ala raise his rank and be pleased with him. Asma'i uh, said, when Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu would be praised, he would say, Oh Allah, you know my condition better than me, and I know my condition more than these people who are praising me. Oh Allah, make me better than what they are thinking of me, and forgive me of my evil, which they are not aware of. Do not grasp me on account of what they're saying. Amin. Once during his Khilafah, he was seeing off the army which was proceeding to the land of Sham, Syria. He accompanied the army for a very long distance. His companions said, O Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, you are walking on foot while we are riding. 
Abu Bakr anhu responded, With these steps I am seeking forgiveness for my sins. These steps are mine in the path of Allah Ta'ala. That he didn't think of his work as a burden, rather it was also an expression of his slavehood to Allah Ta'ala. He said, Glory be to that being who has left no avenue of his gnosis for his servants except for their inability uh, to acquire his gnosis. Meaning, Al-Ajzu anil idraku that knowing your complete inability to understand Allah Ta'ala is the best that you're going to understand Allah. This is the only means to know Allah Ta'ala is to know how overwhelmingly great He is that you'll never be able to, to know Him in that way. He said, uh, anhu, once a man has tasted the love of the divine, he will no longer have time for this world and he will feel claustrophobic in the company of people. During his final illness, people came to visit him and said, O Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah, should we call a physician for you? Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu responded, the physician has already seen me. They asked, what did he say? Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, inna rabbaka fa'alu lima yurid. He quoted an ayah that indeed your Lord does what he pleases. Meaning, I don't need a physician, Allah Ta'ala is doing what he's doing. Again, this is from the Kamal and completeness of his fana. Once a hunter was brought into his presence, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu said, an animal is killed and a tree is cut when their term of remembering Allah is over. That every living thing, the purpose of its life is to remember Allah Ta'ala. And once its term of vicar is over, that Allah is allotted to it, then its life ends. Sometimes when the camel's rein slipped from his hands, he would make the camel sit down, alight, pick up the rein himself, and his companions would ask, why do you not order us? Uh, he would uh, reply, my beloved sallallahu alayhi wasallam ordered me to refrain from asking people. That when you're riding the camel, if the rein slipped from your hands, uh, the, the, the face of the camel you know, to which the reins are tied is too far away just to like lurch over and grab. Uh, and so you either have to ask somebody who's walking below to hand you the reins or you have to order the camel to uh, halt and sit and then pick up the reins with your hands and then go ride again. And he would do the latter. Why? Because my Habib sallallahu alayhi wa he told me to refrain from asking people. This is a very high level of trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a very honorable standard of conduct that very few people, very few people even idealize. Uh, rather, uh, you know, a person who knows me will say, well, you don't fall under this as well. No, I don't, but I should. Um, and people who are, who are like this, people who don't ask from one another, uh, they're very noble and honorable people. And uh, we should practice this from time to time. You know, even if you, you know, it's not haram to ask. It's not haram. But this is the... Uh, Hasanatul Abrar, Sayyatul Muqarrabin, that the normal pious people, some deeds that may be considered good deeds for them, uh, they're considered sins by those who are extremely close to Allah Ta'ala. This is good that we should ask Allah Ta'ala and we should do it ourselves uh, rather than, uh, than depending on other people, lest the habit of depending on, on the creation take firm root inside the heart and the habit of relying on Allah Ta'ala should be diluted in any way. Sayyidina Anas radiallahu anhu narrates that sometimes when Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu would speak of man's uh, creation during his uh, sermons, he would say that man emerged twice uh, from the place of impurity, once from his father's private part and once from his mother's private part at the time of birth. Uh, 
this reminder of the reality of man's lowly origin would exercise a profound effect on the audience. Realizing their lowly origin, people truly understood their insignificance. In fact, they felt themselves to be physically and spiritually impure and contaminated. He would say, O people, cry in fear of Allah Ta'ala, and if you're unable to cry, then at least pretend like you're crying, make a face like you're crying uh, out of shame in front of Allah Ta'ala for not feeling what you should feel in front of Him. Once in a sermon, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu said, where, is, where has gone the handsome one whose face was beautiful, who was proud of his youth? Where is the king who has established cities? Where is the brave soldiers who conquered in the battlefield? Death has destroyed them all, and they all lie in the darkness of their graves. Meaning, no matter how high-flying you are or lack thereof, make preparation for that dark day that you're going to enter your grave. The only thing that will benefit you on that day is your good deeds. Amongst his numerous sayings are, Beware, never despise or look down on any Muslim. Even a Muslim of low rank is great by Allah. He said, I found holiness in taqwa and abstention from transgression. And I found wealth in yaqeen and certainty. And I found honor and humility. He said, I found holiness in the fear of Allah Ta'ala, the abstaining from committing sin. And I found wealth in yaqeen. I found wealth and certainty, and I found honor and humility. He said, I heard your Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, seek, for, seek from Allah forgiveness for sins and safety in the akhirah. That when you ask, ask Allah to forgive your sins and to keep you safe in the hereafter. He said, O oh Allah, show me the truth and grant me the tawfiq to follow the truth. Let me recognize falsehood and grant me the tawfiq to abstain from falsehood. Do not confuse truth and falsehood for me. Do not enslave me to my passions. So many of us are enslaved to our passions and we cultivate and we sharpen and we enhance and we intensify that passion so that it can enslave us even harder with chains. And uh, these were the, the best of this ummah. They were the Ahlullah, they were the awliya of Allah Ta'ala and they were the ones who Allah Ta'ala said about them radiallahu anhum wa radhu anhum. Allah Ta'ala was pleased with them and they were pleased with him. And they would ask, do not enslave me to my passions. He said, whoever becomes displeased with his nafs for the sake of Allah, Allah will keep him safe from his own displeasure. He said, the greatest understanding is taqwa, the fear of Allah, and the greatest ignorance is transgression and immorality. The greatest truth is the observance of, of trust, keeping trusts. And the greatest falsehood is the misappropriation of trusts. Allah protect us from treachery, that we should both perform it or that it should be done to us. He said, if you accept my advice, then of unseen things, love death the most, because it will come to you most assuredly. And uh, he said, uh, when a person becomes proud on account of some worldly adornment, Allah becomes displeased with him and remains displeased as long as he does not completely dissociate from that adornment. Finally, uh, once uh, Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha umil mu'minina, uh, uh, she recited some heartrending poetry. Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu said, don't say this, rather recite the ayah. وَجَاءَتْ سَكْرَةُ الْمَوْتِ بِالْحَقِّ ذَلِكَ مَا كُنْتَ مِنْهُ And the pangs of death have arrived in truth. This is uh, that from which you would flee. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on us uh, on that day. May Allah Ta'ala make that day not a, a terror and a fright uh, for us, uh, not the day that we uh, get taken to account and taken into prison by the 
officers of, uh, deputed to uh, seize us and arrest us from the Lord. Rather, may Allah Ta'ala make that day an Eid Mubarak for all of us and a happy day and a day that uh, we are pleased with the, the, the few good things that we did in this life, that we didn't mess it up, that we, uh, that we, we won, that the clock uh, ran down and our score was higher than that of our enemy. May Allah Ta'ala make it a Mubarak and a happy day for all of us. وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ تَبَارَكُ وَتَعَالَى وَسَلَّمَ عَلَى سَيِّدِنَا مُحَمَّدُ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ وَبَر